and welcome to Too Many Movies, the podcast where we discuss DVDs, Blu-rays, and even the occasional VHS tape. I'm your host, Hal, and with me here today, Yinsid. Introduce yourself. Hello, my name is Yinsid. I am a very, very small animation critic on YouTube, and I am also a college student who is currently on summer vacation, and I am loving it. Nice summer vacation. Wow, I wish I, that was me. Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> you're elderly. I understand. I empathy. I, I pity you. That's okay. It's not easy being old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, actually, before we get into the movies, I just want to ask so, is your real name Yin said? No, it's not. Okay. Is your name an anagram for Disney? Yes, it is. Okay, I you know what I thought so, because at first I was like, oh, if that's his real name and that's the anagram he's going for, like, what are what are the odds? What a coincidence! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Okay, so it's it's just an anagram, but it's a very good anagram. Like, I think one day I was like looking at your name and I'm just like, wait a minute, hold on a second. <laughs> yeah, and then it's just like, oh, the, the letters they all mean something. Um, so yeah. Well, speaking of means something, uh, this first movie we're talking about means something to me. Yes, it uh, does. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, we're, this this first movie we're talking about, Spider-Verse or Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, uh, a movie that's been on everybody's brain because the sequel came out. And we're all also talking about the sequel, but uh, it's in the future. We're in the now. Yeah. Uh, now, Yinsid. Uh what do you think of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse? Let's let's start this this uh, discussion off with your thoughts. Okay, so an interesting story, funny story. So because this movie had come out right around when I was still on an MCU high, I was really invested in it. I didn't end up watching it when it first came out. I ended up watching mm. it when it came out on Netflix, right around after Endgame had came out, and I was just like, why not? So then I ended up mm. watching it, and then I just instantly fall in love with it it's still one of my all-time favorite movies and i think a lot of the reason for that is because of how well it does at if not just a good movie it's also able to be a good superhero movie a good action movie and most significantly a good spider-man movie mm-hmm. yeah i agree um yeah no i saw this in theaters I actually so i remember when the trailer first dropped and everyone went nutso for it. It's just like, holy shit, look at this. It's, this is the same studio that made Emoji Movie? And I'm like, yeah, it's the same studio that made Emoji Movie. Like, impress me. Um, and then the, and then, you know, and then it came out and everyone was just like, oh, this this movie, man, you, you got to believe it. It's actually really good. And I'm like, uh, but Emoji Movie. You right. Know? Like, and this say, was like back when people. Sony was like kind of at their lowest point in terms of like their yeah. movies. So like I was a little that was part of the reason why I was a little bit skeptical to watch it. But yeah. I'm glad that I ended up to, seeing it, obviously. Of course, of course. And not to say that like Sony hadn't made good movies beforehand. Like, you know, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs is a good movie. Right. They were just kind I'm of just far saying, and in between. Exactly. Like again, like when they made something like the Emoji movie, I was not that surprised because it's like it's Sony. Like their greatest name to fame was Clyde of the Chance of Meatballs, which again, great movie, but like not like, you know, a step above. Like not like not like on another level when it comes to like uh these kinds of movies. Yes. So then when it's like, you know, when when people are like 
flipping their shit over the Spider-Verse. You're just like, really? Are you sure? Because maybe it's just the animation. Needless to say, I went, I saw it opening weekend, and I'm like, oh, all right. I'm glad I was proven wrong. <laughs> like, wow, an actually good movie for once. Um, it's it was it was really really refreshing to see. Um, honestly, and even though that theater experience is one of my notoriously worst theater experiences just because oh really there's just this one yeah this one guy would not shut up during the entire movie oh he i hate was that just like like whenever people yeah, are talking was, during the movies especially when they're like yeah. really good or like you're really invested in it yeah oh god and it's funny how like the best movies get like the worst theater experiences for me because when i saw puss in boots 2 great movie but man there were some annoying teenagers in that in that showing uh but suffice it to say, I saw the movie. I was enthralled the whole time. And even though I was not a fan of that one guy who wouldn't shut up, you know, I went home. I'm like, holy shit, like, what a movie. It's actually the first movie I logged on to Letterboxd, technically. Um, Interesting. It was like, yeah, it was the movie that convinced me to get a Letterboxd. That first review I made of it has now been deleted. Like, I was kind of weird with Letterboxd early on. Like, I think my earliest reviews don't. Or, or, like go as far back as like early 2019 um hmm. just because i was tr still trying to figure out like what i want to do because it's like oh do i just log what i watch now or do i like add on movies that i have seen before yeah, it was just kind of a weird time for me in terms of letterbox yeah but, i was like that when i first got on the site too yeah so it was just kind of weird um but i've logged it like what five or six times now since then mm -hmm. so i've so I, suffice it to say, even though that first review doesn't exist anymore, the the movie still means a hell of a lot to me still. Um, just because, I mean, it's it's Spider-Verse, man. Yeah. Like, where do you even begin? Like, you said you took notes. Could you please begin? Because I'm just like, oh, it's it's great. But I need to I, I need some more uh, specific points to dive dive to dive into yeah well i think Speaking. the thing that we're like all in agreement on collectively on the internet even if you like do think it's kind of overrated we can all collectively agree that the animation is just absolutely excellent like the character spectacular designs, the way that it uses yeah. those little comic book 2d effects to like make it feel like you're actually watching a comic book movie mm -hmm. and i really like i feel like this is the movie that kind of not the first one to have more, like, a cartoony approach towards animation, because keep in mind, most, before this movie, most studios, like, felt like they were trying to emulate that hyper-realistic style, the way that Pixar was doing it. But I yes. feel like, yes. as, when this movie came out, it kind of popularized it. It made more mainstream animation studios be more varied with their different styles because of how this movie was able to do it. And yeah, it looks absolutely amazing. Yeah, and what I like about it is that it's kind of the the marriage between 2D and 3D yes. because yes, it's obviously all animated in a computer and it's CG animated, but it's stylized in a way that you know it reminds you it harkens back to like the days of 2D animation. Yeah, um, definitely. So it, it it's it's bringing together the the pros of both uh, styles, I would say, and I feel like that's important because you know I feel like nowadays because the animation market is so oversaturated with 3d animation people have been saying for years they're just like oh when is disney gonna make another 2d animated movie and right. it's just like 
yeah, I would love to see that again. I'd love to see something akin to like the Lion King and Little Mermaid and stuff like that. Definitely. You know, actually animated Lion King and Little Mermaid. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, that's another thing. Oh, but no, like, we're not going to Yeah, no, we don't have to. Oh, but no. I'm just I'm just I'm just saying that like, you know, it would be great to see those styles, but it is nice to also see something that kind of like you know, is more of an evolution. We're not just going back necessarily. We're actually moving forward while still appreciating what came before. You yes. know what I'm trying to say? It's like the best of both worlds. Exactly. You know, because like, yeah, there there is positives to CG animation. Like, I'm not going to say like, oh, no, it doesn't look good because there is such thing as like good CG animation. Yeah, definitely. We're just starved for that variety because we just haven't had anything 2D on the same level as something like The Lion King or Beauty and the Beast and stuff like that in a while, it feels like. Yeah, at least not with the mainstream animation, American animation sure. videos. Yeah, of course. So, yeah, animation, very good. <laughs> right, yes, obviously. Now, obviously, we know animation doesn't always correlate to a good movie, but like I said, a lot of other aspects of this movie really do take it up to the next level. And going back to what I yeah. said about it being like, really good spider-man movie because i feel like if there was any marvel superhero that deserved a movie like this it would be spider-man because of how iconic he is and i think it really enhances the meta angle the film is trying to go for since pretty much everybody knows like the basic idea of spider-man he gets bitten by a spider and he eventually rises up to become a hero yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're you're totally right. If any hero was to deserve something like this, it was de- it would definitely be Spider Man. Just because anybody who is anybody knows what Spider Man is essentially. Like, you don't have to be yeah, you don't have to be like a super hardcore geek to know who Spider Man is. Like the most the most non into superhero movies type of people know who Spider Man is. Right. And- it's like impossible not to know. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It is impossible not to know. I mean, come on. Like, Spider-Man is so iconic. He overtook an entire Captain America movie hype. Like, I don't know if you remember, like, the days of when Civil War was coming out. Like, people went nuts when Spider-Man showed up in the Civil War trailer. It's like, remember, guys, this is a Captain America movie. Nah, who cares? Spider-Man's here. Yeah, no, I was one of those people, even though I was only, like, 12 when the movie came out. I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's (laughs) Spider-Man. He's going to be in the MCU finally. (laughs) I know, look, I was excited too, even though Captain America was my favorite character back in the day. It's just yeah. like, uh, but it's exciting to see Spider-Man, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's it's he's such an iconic character that, of course, you're going to get a movie like this celebrating Spider-Man. Like, that's what I would best describe this movie as, is it's a celebration of the character. And like you said, yeah, like, at first glance, you might think, oh, that's all this movie has is the animation. But then upon several watch throughs, you start to realize, no, there's there is some great depth to the story in these characters. Um, like, that's what makes it such a special movie is, yeah, you it ropes you in with that animation style. But then you stay because of like the depth it actually creates with this story. Um, yeah, that's the thing, because. Going back here, so with, um, there are those general ideas and narrative beats that are still present in Miles' story as Spider-Man, mm-hmm. but he still has very unique struggles that are different from Peter Parker. Like, 
He is very mm-hmm. well liked by a lot of his peers, but he has a difficult time stepping out of his comfort zone, which carries over to when he becomes Spider-Man for the first time. Like when he first finds out that he got his powers and then he sees his version of Peter Parker being like, you're like me. And then he's like, I don't want to be. That ties back to that like fear of like him stepping out of what he's used to. Like he likes things the way they are. He wants to keep things like simple. Yeah, because he's scared to go to a new school. Right. And he doesn't really want to do these new things that he he actively tries to get out of it but he can't because he's he is actually good at he is a good student he can't actually intentionally fail this test that's the Um, thing yeah and it's it yeah and that ties into him not wanting really wanting to be spider-man but like he ends up proving that he is capable of doing that yeah Um, yeah, I just yeah. feel like it's and, a really relatable struggle that you can have your main character yeah. go through throughout the movie. Yeah, it's incredibly relatable. And that's what Spider-Man has always tried to be, I feel like, is this relatable character. Um, you know, not just being this like um, nerd, <laughs> this nerd, this geek, um, you know, be, be, like becoming this huge hero. Um, but also the fact that like, you know, Stan Lee has said like, you know, the you he puts on the mask like anybody could be under the mask essentially yeah and um, i love how that so, this movie really emphasizes that idea that like anybody can come from that place which is prevalent through all of the multiple different spider people that we see throughout the film like how different yeah. they are in terms of like their ages their experience their designs obviously i just think that it's really cool yeah Anybody can be Spider-Man. It could be Peter Parker. It could be Miles Morales. It could be Gwen Stacy. It could be Peter Parker from the 30s. It could be an anime girl from the future. It, it could, could be, be a fucking pig. A pig. <laughs> it could be a fucking pig. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, man. And, and, God, it's... I mean, we'll get to the second movie with the different spider people, but, like, I remember back when, like, this was huge, like, when you saw, like, oh, we got Spider-Man Noir, we got Spider-Ham, we get penny parker like we got all these different um variations of spider-man and they're all interesting yeah Um, definitely obviously obviously i would say miles peter and gwen have a little more depth um than noir penny and ham but noir penny and ham still have like a presence to them yeah that's the all the characters they either have like full arcs throughout the story and if they don't they're like still like really funny and entertaining and like it's nice it's cool to see all of them like interact with each other exactly exactly and yeah no each one of them gets a moment to shine and i really appreciate that because it's like you have six characters um like that's that can't be easy to balance but for once, a Spider-Man movie balancing a billion different characters actually does so correctly. Cough, cough, um, amazing Spider-Man 2. Cough, cough. That's true, oh, yeah. Man. I guess they did learn something from Spider-Man 3. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh. Well, speaking of Spider-Man 3, one of my favorite references in any movie uh, was the Spider-Man 3 dance scene at the very beginning. I was, I mean, obviously we've had many other... When it comes to references in comic book movies, you know, sometimes they can be a little lame. But like, man, when I was in the theater and like he's and then like Chris Pine, Peter Parker starts like doing the Spider-Man three dance. I was just like, aha. (laughs) Yeah, no, that was really funny. (laughs) 
And I didn't feel cheated. I didn't feel like the movie was just like, haha, wink, wink. Like it was, but like not in a way that you found annoying. Yeah, just no, like, like it's very oh, sparing with its use of references. It does it in a way that like still feels like organic and like it actively enhances that like meta commentary of like the idea exactly. of Spider Man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I you keep saying meta commentary, and I agree. Like, there is some meta commentary to this movie. And usually if a movie advertises itself as having meta commentary it makes me want to vomit because i hate movies being so meta because every movie has to be meta nowadays but this movie and the next movie again we'll get to it yeah i feel like kind of you know you use the term meta commentary in a smart way like it actually like we said it, it actually enhances the characters um and I like that. I like when something I don't like seeing in movies is actually done well for once in a movie. Yeah, and that's part of the reason why I'm really glad that Lord and Miller were the ones working on the screenplay, because they did that sort of thing so well with the Lego movie, and I feel like they did a really yeah. good job of doing it here as well. Yeah. Oh, that's another thing. Yeah, the Lego movie um, comparisons for sure, because the Lego movie is also a movie about a main character kind of being roped into this multiverse kind of storyline and there's all these different like interesting characters they come across um i don't know how sacrilegious this is i i don't even think it's really that sacrilegious but i think i like spider-verse more than the lego movie um honestly oh no that's, I, mean, I, I, I get it like i do too and like i already yeah. really like the lego movie a whole lot it sparked, yeah, of course. sparked I love like the LEGO eight movie. whole years of collecting minifigures for me so if that tells you anything yeah. i need to know but yeah oh listen i had a religious experience watching the lego movie in theaters after being a huge lego fan all my life so mm -hmm. like i love the lego movie but i feel like spider-verse is just a little more special eensy teensy bit more special to me yeah definitely that's partially uh, just because of how much i love spider-man like i've watched all the movies mm -hmm. even though i don't love all of them just that idea <laughs> of like this kid like starting off as this kid eventually growing into like his role as a hero is just like a really inspiring story to me honestly it is very inspiring yeah because like we've been saying he's like a normal kid who becomes a superhero um you know superheroes notoriously for years have just been these like big beefy strong gods that can like do anything and they can achieve anything and it's like but you need that human element in order for that uh kind of story to really stick which is why the best superhero movies usually have that human element and spider-verse is no different there's definitely some character to this and i appreciate that i love that miles is like this very stressed out teenager because Oh, news alert. He is a stressed out teenager. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so another thing that I really liked about this movie would definitely have to be Kingpin. And I think the reason for that Ooh, is because it's a really good yeah. way of showcasing how you can make a villain with a tragic backstory without feeling the need to, like, redeem them, if you know what I mean. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, no, Kingpin. Well, first of all, great design. Yeah. Like, I love any scene he's in and he's just this, he just takes up the majority of the screen. I was watching it. I was rewatching it with my buddy, John. Um, and just anytime he, like Kingpin was like walking, like John would just be like, 
there's that one scene where like uh they go to like the Alchemex building and like you see like Kingpin like coming out of the car and John is just like, How can he come out of the car? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just like it's like it's one of those things where you're just like you can like nitpick it, but it's it's really funny to nitpick it because you're just like this absolute unit of a guy. How does he just go about his daily life? Exactly. Um, but it's a really good character design because he has some presence to him. And the voice is so good. It's not always about the money, Spider-Man. Yeah, like, Leah Schreiber does a like, really good vocal performance in that. As yeah, Kong. it's really good. Really good. I, I, it's a re- And like you said, yeah, it's a tragic backstory. You feel for him. You understand why he's doing the things that he's doing. But at the end of the day, he's a supervillain. Right. You know, like he still does the evil stuff. Yeah, there's a reason there's a difference between hero and villain. Both can have tragic backstories. But at the end of the day, again, there is a distinction between hero and villain. Yeah, because heroes Um, usually don't let their tragedy define them. They use that to make them stronger, which we see with Miles as he after he finds out about the Prowler, that's his uncle. And then he ends up dying. And then he's like, just keep going, Miles. And then that's kind of what gives him that motivation. Actually, this brings me to one of my other points. Um, I want to talk about Miles's dad, his father. As tough as mm. he is on him at times, I like how he's always the one that sees his potential. And I think it makes perfect sense that he's the one that ends up being the motivation that he needs to finally master his powers. Like, right after Peter B. decides that he's going to be the one that stays behind to turn off the collider because he doesn't think mm. Miles is ready. Yeah, I like yeah, I like that because you think, oh, the spider people are gonna like kind of motivate him. And they don't really like obviously Peter B has some sage advice to give. Yeah. And that's that that's a good thing because he does he he's experienced, he knows what he's talking about. Yeah, he's been doing this but, for a really long time. He's been doing this for a really long time, yes. But it's his father, it's Jeff, essentially, yeah. who comes in and kind of and definitely motivates him after, you know, the whole movie. Yeah, he has been really hard on him, but it's a great scene. Oh my god, yeah, that scene where like he's on the other side of the door. It's oh my god, it's so brilliant. It's so good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and yeah, to go on the prowler, like my god, like what a gr- it's it's funny because I feel like um, it's a twist that I'm sure diehard comic fans saw coming. I Probably. didn't because I was just because I forgot. Aaron, I forgot Uncle Aaron. I'm like, oh, right. He's the Prowler. Right. This makes sense. Um, But uh, I think it's still a really good twist. Like it's handled. It's handled in a way that like even if you know that it's coming, you know, the breadcrumbs are still there. So you can still appreciate the build up to it. Um, And my God, the the Prowler's theme, the the like. Yes, I love it so much. It's like this elephant, like trumpet style thing. It's like distorted. And I like it. It sounds so chilling, but so cool at the same time. Yeah. Oh, God. The music just enhances the movie so well. Yeah. The score in general is just really good. It really adds to the action a lot as well. Yeah, it really, really does. But man, that Prowler theme, it's something else. I'm just like, my God, this is in a movie where the previous movie from the studio was the Emoji movie. <laughs> yeah. It's like literally the antithesis, the polar opposite of this in terms of quality. Exactly. Ugh, the, sa- the same studio as Surf's Up 2, Wave Mania. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, anyway. Well, you know what? Let's talk about Peter B. Because he is the 
Peter Parker. So he's supposed to be kind of like the the Peter Parker, like the Spider-Man we're supposed to be kind of used to at this point, yeah. right? Like he and I like the idea of him being this older Peter. Um but I like that it's a balance of, you know, old man jokes where he's just like, oh, I'm so schlubby. And it's just like, oh, haha, you're schlubby Spider-Man. Yeah, because so that's not what we would like, ever associate Peter Parker with. But like, it's like, it's so kind of like yeah. funny to see him like being like this old, grumpy, kind of like just tired kind of guy at yeah. this point. Just kind of exhausted yeah, uh, at like what he's been doing for so long. Like yeah. he, says, he said himself like 22 years and I'm like, damn. Yeah, that is a long time. I do like the line when like um, Doc Ock's just like uh, examining him, and she's just like, "Oh, you have a bit of a you have a bit of a gut. That must be because you tra- traveled through different dimensions." He's like, "Yeah, yeah, I was way slimmer back there." For sure. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah. it's funny, mm-hmm. but like I never feel like the movie disrespects the character. Definitely. Like they're not making him the butt of the joke. Well, they are at times, but they also do have respect for Peter Parker. They have respect for this character because they do show him in like a kind of a tragic light because well, yeah, when you've been doing this job for 22 years, it's bound to take a toll on you and the people in your life. So Yeah, and you can it's, tell it's, because like he's the one that ends up deciding at first that like he's going to be the one that like has to turn off the collateral. He's like, I'm going to be the one to make the sacrifice play. And then Miles is like, what about MJ? What about like you? And it's like, if you stay here, you'll die. And he's like, not everything works out, kid. And like, that's how you know that he has this experience and he knows like what it takes and like the sacrifices that you have to make in like this line of work sometimes. Yeah. And he feels like, oh, it's just been leading all to this. But then Miles proves to him, not always. Yep. There's always another way. Um, it's great. It's it's it, it invigorates him. It brings it gives him a new uh, lease on life. I I love that. It's it's a great. It's just a great character. It's a great characterization of Peter Parker that we hadn't seen before, and I'm glad we got in this kind of movie. Um, and it's funny because it's not even like a traditional. It's not even like the Peter Parker that we've seen in like other movies. Like this wasn't like Tobey Maguire or Andrew Garfield or Tom Holland. Yeah, like, it was like it was still a brand. But like it didn't need to be like it. He just needed to get the general sense of Spider-Man, and I feel like it. That's done really well. Like he's able to, um, have these. He, he's able to embody the character of Spider-Man that we've seen before, but still be his own Spider-Man. I feel like. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like that's. I that must have been like really difficult to pull off, but my God, they do it really well. Yeah. I will say, I think looking back, um, I was not really a fan of Gwen Stacy at first. She has grown on me, and after the set, and after the second movie, I like her a lot more. I think one thing I, I, and this was something I was always kind of bothered by with the first movie, and it is kind of fixed in the second movie, and that is when, um. The char- there's that scene where like they're consoling Miles about like how they've lost um you know certain people in their respective Spider-Man journeys and Gwen is just like yeah I lost my best friend and you know earlier when she was doing her narration she was like yeah I couldn't save my friend Peter Parker and it always kind of bothered me that it's like okay Peter Parker's right there and that's this isn't really doing anything for you like because. To bring up another scene, I know I'm kind of rambling, but this is kind of important. There's that scene where, like, they go to Aunt May's house in Queens. Right. And 
And there's that scene where like both Peter and Aunt May are meeting each other. Now, in Peter's dimension, Aunt May is dead. And in Aunt May's dimension, Peter's dead. So it's like a really interesting scene. It's pulled off perfectly. Like, holy shit. Like, what a great scene. How Peter's just like, I'm not ready for this. It's like, holy shit. Like, mwah, chef's kiss. But like, the fact that like, I, it, it always kind of bothered me that Gwen never really had that with this Peter. You know? Because it's like, okay your best friend in the whole world was Peter Parker. And here is another version of Peter Parker. And that doesn't really seem to bother her. Yeah. I guess I get what you're saying. Like maybe like actually having her like react to seeing like an alternate version of like her best friend who died in her. Exactly. And I will admit it, I feel like the second movie kind of fixes that. Yeah, really. Issue with that, but yeah, we, we can get to that. We the can second get to movie that. really um, did a good job with Gwen, but we'll get to that later. Exactly. I, and I'm not saying like Gwen is like the worst character in the movie. She's not like I, I do like her inclusion. And I will actually, there's another thing I do want to mention, like the, the whole like when she, so she has her spider sense when she's like launched into like last Tuesday and she knows to go see Miles with her spider sense. But then when Miles gets bitten by the spider and he's getting like his spider senses, he doesn't sense her automatically. Like that, that I, was, I just kind of realized I was like, that's kind of weird because like when he meets um, Chris Pine, Peter Parker, it's immediate. When he meets uh, Peter B. Parker, it's immediate. But like when he sees Gwen after he's been bitten by the spider, he doesn't really have that sense. And I just thought that was kind of weird. Nitpicky, I know. It's it's just something I found kind of strange. I know why they didn't do it, thinking about it now, because it's like, well, that would have given away the twist that, oh, later in the movie, it's like, oh, it's me. It's Spider-Gwen or Spider-Woman. You know? Right. So, yeah. So I get it. I'm I, I'm just being an asshole and nitpicking this movie as best I can. <laughs> Nah, it's fine. Yeah, there there are like smaller plot holes that like you can like go with if you like really pay attention. Like those are mostly nitpicks. This is like still like a really good movie. Oh yeah. Oh for oh for sure, for sure. There's oh it's there's so many good things that like it's like yeah, that's obviously a minor thing. Uh oh, speaking of great things, the Stan Lee cameo, man. We have to talk about that. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I well, so this was the first Marvel movie. I think this was the first Marvel movie post his death, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, um, he had passed away the month before. I think it was November of 2018, and that this was going to be his final animated cameo in this movie. I thought it yeah, was a really exactly. good one. Oh my god. It's, it instantly became my favorite Stanley cameo um, immediately. Because, well, one, so it starts off with him being like, oh, you know, I'm really going to miss him. Which hits even harder because he was dead after that. It's yeah. just like, oh. But then, like... It's a really heartwarming scene because it's Stan Lee like cheering on the next generation for Spider-Man and just being like, oh, and he ends with like, the mask always fits. It's like a very inspiring line. But then it also ends with it being a joke because then you, it turns to like the left and it says like, no refunds ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was funny. So so it's like, it's like a peak Stan Lee cameo because it's like one, it's really heartwarming, but then it's also really funny. Um, and that's why I think it's like the best, it's like the best of both worlds, it, like melds those together, like flawlessly to make, making it what I truly believe is like the best Stan Lee cameo. Yeah. It's phenomenal. Honestly, <laughs> I think that sentiment of heartwarming, but also funny can like really be applied to the whole movie. Oh, incredibly so. Yeah. It has, uh, I love that. I love the scene where like, uh, 
when Miles is about to jump off, and then it just cuts to him running down the stairs. Yeah, that was uh, funny. Any scene with Spider Ham is just beautiful, just because John Mulaney, Nicholas Cage, Spider Noir, <laughs> not Nicholas Cage, Spider Noir. John Mulaney can actually be funny. You know, don't let him being in Big Mouth scare you guys. He's actually really funny. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like he <laughs> he has like this really cartoonish voice to him. That's the thing. That's really my favorite part about the character. Like even though I'm not the biggest Jack Horner fan in Piss and Boots. I really think that his voice is like probably the thing that really is the most memorable thing about the character. And it's the same thing here. Like he has a very cartoonish like voice, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. It's very cartoony, it, but it fits Spider-Ham. Yeah, definitely. Like, beautifully. Oh man. It's just so good. Um, uh, do you have any other notes you wanted to say? Um, I think that was pretty much, mo- I got most of what I had to say. Okay. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, no, it's, I think that's, I think we've basically gotten it down, like our general thoughts on this movie. I mean, I mean, come on, it's Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Like this movie was huge when it first came out. It wasn't like huge financially, but it was huge amongst anybody who saw it because we're just like, holy shit, like animated movies can look like this and be like this yeah absolutely amazing and not even just that just marvel movies can be this good like obviously we weren't at the uh marvel stint that we're kind of experiencing now but like you know we there was definitely that early onset stuff we were starting to feel obviously it got worse so we really needed this movie now more than ever but you know, back in the day, you definitely had the feeling that like, wow, this is this is like a cut above everything that we've seen so far. Yeah. And it's really um, impressive how like timeless and iconic it really has been able to come. Like you would think that a movie that had the meta, had all of the references would like be dated, but it still feels fresh almost like five years later. Yeah. You know what? It's a great it is a timeless movie. And I feel like I didn't really think like movies from this era could feel timeless you know because like i feel like because we're living in because we're kind of like living seeing these movies premiere live so that it's they don't really have that iconic level to them just yet um whereas like movies from the past you you see them as iconic but then they're also timeless but that's you you more so feel they're timeless because you didn't really live to see them when they were actually around yeah definitely Um, so so it's kind of hard to tell what's going to be timeless years down the line. Um, obviously, so obviously, yeah, this is an example of something that is definitely timeless. Um, despite all like the modern references it makes, it definitely has like that timeless feel to it. And that's through the characters. That's through the story. That's through the animation. That's through the different things that it actually pulls off and does really, really well. Yeah. So, yeah, all right, all right. Yeah, I guess. I mean, we could talk about this for hours on end, really. There's just so much to talk about. Even if we don't get to it all, that's totally fine because, I mean, I know I'm definitely going to be returning to this movie like for years to come. It's just so good. I love revisiting it every time I do. Yeah, I will say, though, my only one minor nitpick with the movie would probably be that some of the licensed songs I like mo- I like all of them out of context like out- mm-hmm. outside of the movie I really I listen to the soundtrack all the time it's really good but some of the songs do feel just a tad bit ill-fitting for the scenes that they're playing in like when um 
right when Miles walks off after like kind of failing to right when they're in the headquarters the secret headquarters mm-hmm. and he's like fighting and then he like walks off after he turns invisible because he's like he doesn't think he's going to be able to do this the song that plays there just kind of felt a little bit ill-fitting but that's like a literal like just minute issue that i have with the movie yeah i've always had a weird relationship with the music as well obviously not the score like like the prowler theme yeah i'm talking the about like the actual, actual like songs orchestral yeah like the soundtrack yeah the song no i've def that that is definitely something that i've had kind of a mixed relationship on i'm not really a modern poppy kind of guy when it comes to music like i i am kind of old school like we were like we were saying before i am i'm very old so <laughs> i get it i i prefer older music but you know it's something that has definitely grown on me because, well, one, it's Miles's movie, so like the music should really reflect the kind of person Miles is, and yeah. because these are songs that he's into, it makes a lot of sense. Definitely. Um, and yeah, no, so it definitely makes a lot of sense. So it's something that definitely grows on you after a while. Obviously, some scenes are better than others. Like when he's first, when, when you when you first introduce when you're first introduced to him, and it's playing Sunflower. Like that's a good scene. When it's like, oh yeah, and what's up, Danger? When he's um. Fly, he uses his powers for the first time and he like flies off the roof. Like that's like just straight up one of my favorite oh, scenes God. in film, honestly. It's that Oh good. god, yeah. What's up, danger? God, the, the the scene of him like yeah, flying off and like you see him like uh falling towards the skyline and like the skyline's like uh so like it's flipped upside down, so it's looking like he's rising to the occasion, even though he's falling down. Yeah, like, it's, it's so it's a, satisfying from both a visual it's so good. and a story standpoint. Yeah, I love that scene so much. I love that shot so much because that shot was like my computer wallpaper for years. Yeah, it was my phone um, wallpaper for a, for a really long time. Yeah, yeah, no. It used to be my computer wallpaper. Now my computer wallpaper is the Skeksis from Dark Crystal, but that's just because, you know, it's it's me we're talking about. Um, But yeah, no, I love that shot so much. And yeah, that, that song definitely fits. I, I would say, yeah, the scene you were talking about where, like, he's, like, walking away and, like, the song just is kind of blaring. And then there's, like, the scene where, like, uh, you know, it's revealed that the his Peter Parker died and, like, it just starts blaring, like, I'm not scared. And it's just, like... Eh. All right, I get it, guys. Like, I get it. I get why you're playing this song. It's, it's a bit much. Um, obviously, you get kind of used to those things when you watch these this movie like a lot, uh, right. like I have. So, but it it is something that gets kind of a little annoying after a while. Yeah, so again, I, to- I, do I totally enjoy sympathize most of the with the songs, you. like outside yeah. of the movie, like on their own. Sure. Oh, absolutely. I I could. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah. Uh. Well, if there's nothing else you wanted to say, let's move on to the Blu-ray section of the podcast. So um, when it comes to this podcast, as I've explained numerous times, but I'll explain it again. um, I like to have at least one movie on Blu-ray, DVD, VHS, what have you, that's been in my collection. Um, And obviously, uh, I wanted to talk about this movie, not just because the sequel came out recently, but because I actually own it on Blu-ray. And it's something I definitely wanted to talk about because I love this movie. And I happen to have it on a Blu-ray plus DVD uh, pack um, that also advertises that it was the winner of the Academy Award for Best Animated Feature. Hmm, I thought it was Ralph Breaks the Internet that won the... Um, Academy Award for Best Animated oh, yeah, Feature I that year. That. <laughs> <laughs> that, oh, yeah. How embarrassing! <laughs> uh, 
Oh, that was so funny when that happened. But anyway, no, yeah, Spider-Man, uh, Spider-Verse won that year as it should have because, well, it was the best animated feature. I mean, look, I'm not one to uh, really follow the Oscars as like anything that great, but, you know, that's one of those times where I'm like, you know what? Well-deserved. They did something right for once. Yeah, you did something right for once. <laughs> um but anyway, yeah, so I owned it on Blu-ray. Um, it comes with uh, all these exclusive features. It has that mini-movie, Spider-Ham, Caught in a Ham, which when I was watching this um, with my friend John, uh, apparently this Blu-ray does this thing where like it just starts playing the short after the after the movie is done, like after the credits roll. And John was like, eh, I don't want to really want to watch that. I'm just like, oh. I kind of did. So I just found it on YouTube like a couple days later. I watched it. I'm like, oh, it was funny. Spider-Ham shenanigans. Great. <laughs> yeah. Now now, now I want a whole Spider, Spider-Ham TV show where he fights all the villains he listed off in there. Hmm. Especially, uh, what was it? Majestic Caraboom? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, still need to watch um, that short. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's, it's like four minutes long. You can find it easily on YouTube. Um, so... Uh, yeah, I like this Blu-ray. It's a nice Blu-ray. It looks great in Blu-ray quality. Um, the movie does. I'm keeping it. I'm keeping the Blu-ray. I mean, there was never a shadow of a doubt in my mind that I would ever get rid of this because it's, you know, one of my absolute favorite animated movies of all time. Um, so yeah, it's a definite keep for the collection. Maybe I could upgrade it to 4K someday, but, um, you know, I think the Blu-ray's neat as it is i don't really need something that high quality i it would be nice but i think for now i'm fine with keeping the blu-ray as it is um do you collect blu-rays at all yin said i'm trying to start to mm-hmm. but yeah i would this so would definitely be one that i would probably want like a physical copy of at some point okay yeah i definitely recommend it um because I don't think it's on like any streaming service at the moment. I know it used to be on Netflix. I don't think it's on there anymore, though. Well, yeah, my mo- my mother had bought the move had bought the movie right after a few mo- a few months after it had gotten it. So we own it on Amazon Prime right now. Okay, well there you go. It's it's better than nothing. Um, yeah. Considering the state of streaming services, I mean, right? <laughs> buy physical. <laughs> huh. Well, is there anything last minute you want to say about this wonderful, wonderful movie? Uh, nope. I think I've gotten it all. One of my all-time favorites, and I look forward to seeing it again. Yeah, I'm. I'm with you. I'm with you right there. We love Spider Verse. It's it's a very good movie. Go watch it if for some reason you haven't watched it. I can't imagine why. Well, speaking of Spider-Verse, uh guess what? They they made a Spider-Verse 2. Yes, uh, they did. Electric Boogaloo. Yeah, they made it and we watched it. Um and I watched it in a theater yesterday. Uh you know what? I'm just gonna I'm gonna let you uh, take this one as well. Yin said, "What did you think of Across the Spider Verse?" I keep calling it Spider Verse Two. I ke- I always forget it's called Spider Man Across the Spider Verse, but I yeah. just call it Spider Verse Two. But, like, people know what I'm talking across about. and then eventually beyond in yeah a beyond. Year. But yeah, mm-hmm. so I'll go. I'll start start off by saying that it's not quite as good as the first, but I do still think mm-hmm. that this is 
a really good sequel in terms of world building and how it fleshes out a lot of the characters. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, I... There's parts to it that, like, I'm like, holy shit, this is better. But, like, I don't think I'm there yet. Because um, I've only seen it once. Um, so I I don't really often like rating things five stars to begin with, like, first round through. Obviously, there are exceptions, but I, I don't know. I'm not there yet because there are some things that kind of not really bother me. Bother me sound, sounds a little too negative. I, I, I just I don't think I'm there yet. This is like this is like Guardians 3 where it's like I don't really have any major issues with the movie because I think it's re- I think it's really good. I'm just not there to say like it's one of the best I've ever seen quite yet. But this is a whole step above Guardians 3. Let me tell you. <laughs> um, I see. Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely am. I definitely think this is my favorite of the year so far. I mean, granted, I probably think this might be just the favorite of the year uh, regardless. I mean, again, I haven't seen every movie yet this year, so I may be proven wrong, but if not, it is definitely up there. Yeah, um, see, see, I really, really like Guardians 3, but like comparing the two is like absolutely apples to oranges. Sure, yeah, no. Oh, yeah, and I'm not saying like Guardians 3 is bad or anything. I did like Guardians 3. Um, I just, I feel like I need, that is a movie I need to see again. Because um, like when I was watching like the first two Guardians movies to prepare for it, I'm just like, wow, I've seen these movies several times. I love them. And then like I get to Guardians 3 and I'm like, oh, I've only seen it once. I I like it. Uh, I'll probably love it a lot more on rewatch. But, you know, that's, again, that's for a whole other episode. No, that's uh, Spider-Verse 2. Um, let's get this out of the way. The animation. I don't know how they did it. It's very good. Surprisingly, it's very good. Not only is it very good, I think it's better than the first movie. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I like how varied, how much more, it feels a lot more varied in terms of the styles yes. that it does. Yes, for sure. Not only is it obviously, it's the same, obviously, we get the comic book style that we were used to with the first one, but like they step it up. They have Legos, they have parchment paper, they have live action <laughs> they're just like th- like this is definitely the kind of evolution you want to see with a movie like this when it comes to the limits of animation um absolutely you, you know i remember there's like there's that one scene when like um like people were like th- like throwing the clip out uh or like showing like, i don't remember if it was like a gif or a clip or something it was the scene when like you know the spot kind of evolves and people were just like wow this is so great and i like just kind of looked at it haphazardly i didn't really like pay any attention to it because it's just like i, I want to be surprised when i actually watch the movie and i'm glad i did because seeing that scene for the first time in a theater it's like okay i get the hype like holy moly yeah like wow <laughs> you you know the scene i'm talking about yeah yeah um yeah it's i think that's a good way of describing this movie is it's an evolution from the first movie um in that it's kind of evolving this universe. It's evolving the style that it's going for. Um, and that's really impressive because it's like, we all love the first movie unconditionally. So to like kind of keep that magic alive, you're just like, this can't be easy to do. Like, holy crap. They're, they're really, 
They're really going for it. There's passion behind this movie. I'm glad that there is. Please, more movies with passion behind them. I'm begging you. <laughs> yeah. While we're on the topic of Spock, are we doing spoilers? Yeah, absolutely. I don't think... I mean, really, the only non-spoiler uh, review I can do for this movie is, it's good. Go watch it. <laughs> like, I mean, that's all, all right. I have for non-spoilers. Who would have thought that the bagel, <laughs> the bagel <laughs> that he took, would have been this main villain's origin story? Yeah. Just such an innocuous detail that ended up becoming plot relevant in this one. I just thought that that was really funny. Yeah. But bagels I didn't even <laughs> want. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, yeah, so the spot, which I thought that was, I really seriously thought that was like going to be like a villain of the week, um, which is, you know, ties into, they the, made a joke the, about that, yeah, that, that ties into the point of the character. Like, yeah, you think he is this villain of the week and then he becomes this like, holy shit, this is a real fucking threat. <laughs> um, yeah, it's been like, like, there's that comedic side to him, but like, he's yeah. also able to like pose a legitimate threat once you realize what his powers are. Exactly. Like, literally use his holes yeah. <laughs> to travel across the multiverse. Exactly. Yeah. And he's played by Jason Schwartzman, who yeah. is really good in the movie. Like, I'm, I'm not like a huge diehard Jason Schwartzman fan. I like him from the movies I've seen him in. He was Ash in Fantastic Mr. Fox. Like, he's really good in yes, that. Yes, I do remember that. Um, So I know he can be really funny, but like, wow, he could actually be kind of threatening too. Like, and that's really important to pull off in a in a movie with a villain you really want to pull that off with your villain and it yeah does especially a, great job. a movie on like this large of a scale like you oh need to make God, sure that yeah. your villain is like an ample threat and he definitely is for sure um yeah yeah i love the scene when he goes to the 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 lady in venom world <laughs> and that and that's how they tie in uh the venom verse into this into the multiverse <laughs> Oh, too, that's so funny. I'm sure like, you know, I'm sure Venom fans and Morbius fans and by Morbius fans, I mean me and only me <laughs> wanted to see more. I'm just saying if, if Morbius doesn't show up in Beyond the Spider-Verse, I'm sorry. It's an automatic zero out of 10. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, one thing I want to mention, uh, no matter what Spider-Man universe it is, J.K. Simmons is J. Jonah Jameson. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Yeah, I mean... He's, he's just so, like, he is that role, honestly. Like, I yeah. can't imagine anybody else being Jameson. He's, like, that iconic. Yeah, and I feel like, I like how this movie kind of restrains itself. He does. He's not, like, he is more of a bit player. Like, you don't really see him in any scene. Like, he's just always in the background. But, like, I like that they still add him as a detail, because it's just like, well, yeah... He's so iconic to the role that, like, you kind of have to make reference to him. Um, I'm pretty sure, like, there were some scenes where, because, like, I know, so there's that one scene, I think he's, like, in the background, like, Gwen Stacy's world, but then when he's in the Lego world, I think they just reused um, some audio from, like, the Raimi Spider Man movies, um, which, like, yeah. I mean, whatever. Like, it is what it is. Like, I don't think, I, I don't think they really wanted to bring back JK just for, like, one line it's just like yeah we'll just use his spider-man uh quote whatever um i mean it's a great performance regardless so you can reuse tw a 20 year old uh take and it still sounds great <laughs> um so yeah that's just a testament that's a testament to how good the casting is and just how much how great of an actor jk simmons is for sure 
All right. Back to the um, story. So this movie oh, yeah, is absolutely. a lot more Gwen Stacy centric. And because yeah. you said you weren't the biggest fan of her in the previous movie, I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are about her in this one. Oh, she's so much better. I love her in this movie. Like, first off, she gets like the first like 20 to 30 minutes of the movie with her. And it's amazing because like i was so enthralled the whole time how she's like you know it starts off with her like playing the drums and she's just like going mad like you know because it's going through her thought process of like abandoning miles and then she has to go and be spider woman we we find out a little more about her thing with peter parker and that's what i was saying like the reason she doesn't really feel weird about peter parker is because well her peter parker looks nothing like the peter parker that she meets in uh, Spider-Verse 1. So it's yeah. like, okay, now it makes more sense as to why she wasn't like a little more a little more distraught. And also, I mean, she's also very good at kind of hiding her feelings and kind of isolating herself. Maybe that also has to do with it. Um, but we also do get a lot more of her world and, oh God, the watercolors, so beautiful. Like, yes. I love how like every shot changes. Like, it's really, really, really unique and really interesting to look at because then, like, you know, the colors kind of um, affect they, – they affect the mood of the scene as well. Um, so when when things are starting to start to unravel, like, you know, the backgrounds start melting away and, and it starts becoming a lot more darker. It's like, ah, oh, great. I'm so glad – a movie from the same studio as Emoji Movie is pulling off these like fantastic motifs and themes in a movie like this. Like, you know, the filmmaking, the animation is conveying these themes. It's not just, you know, two characters in a white plane of existence. Like, there's actual thought put into the backgrounds and the characters and, ah. Uh, and it's just the first 20 minutes of the movie, you know? Like, it's just like the first 20 minutes of just being in Gwen Stacy world. She defeats the parchment paper vulture thing. Um, and then she gets recruited by Miguel O'Hara and other Spider-Woman. And yeah, then they go... Jessica Drew. Jessica Drew. Yeah, Jessica Drew. And they go into the multiverse. And then the credits start playing. And it's like, oh, right, it's been 20 minutes. And now the credits start playing. You're just like... Right. Ah. And I love that because... so. I, I've noticed this is kind of like a recent thing with some modern movies, not all of them, obviously, but there is, that is something I've noticed is like these movies will just drop the credits like 30 minutes into the movie. And like, you know, the, that movie fresh from last year did that and it was incredibly distracting. And then a good movie actually did that. It was drive my car, the Japanese movie um, from like a year or so ago. Like, that also did that and it was incredibly distracting but like here it actually fits with the movie because like the first 20 to 30 minutes is like a story in and of itself so it's like okay once it's done then like you can move on to like something else in the movie and it fits whereas like you know the other two movies like it and like it stops to play the credits and then it just goes back to the movie. So then you're like, all right, that was incredibly distracting. But like here, it actually fits in this movie. Right. It doesn't get so like it's like let's establish that this is just as much Gwen's story as it is Miles in this yeah. first um 
minute, at this first um, section of the movie. Then we can get to the credits, and then we can transfer over to Miles's universe and what's going on with him after all these years. Yeah, exactly. And he's doing his Spider-Man thing, and yeah. it's it's both really engaging and really funny. <laughs> yeah, the baby powder joke like that, like yeah. <laughs> that, just took me out. Honestly, yeah, he's just like, look, guys, uh, I messed up. <laughs> yeah, it's like. For I, I was again like when they first did it, I was just like, oh, for a split second, I'm just like, oh, modern joke, I can't. But then it's actually funny, <laughs> so yeah. Oh, you actually did something well. Good job, movie. <laughs> the funniest uh, part about it is if you look at it, you'll you can see like that. This is a detail that I saw somebody point out on Twitter. You can see that it has only 10 million views, but it has 69 million dislikes, and I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's funny that's funny that just made the joke 10 times funnier honestly see in that universe youtube didn't remove the dislikes hmm suspicious yeah i, I want to go to that universe yeah let's go to that universe <laughs> oh yeah um yeah not not only is like gwen improved upon in this movie i feel like it, we get a lot more of Miles's mom as well, which I think what we got of her in the first movie was great because, like, she had like what well, one scene where she's like, "Oh, we don't run from anything, Miles. Like, our family doesn't run from anything, Miles." Which is like, it's a little cheesy line, but like, it's effective towards the themes of the movie. So you're so you kind of can forgive it. Whereas, like here, she gets a lot more uh, time and development, and I love it. I think, yeah, I. I've known people like Miles's mom. So like, it was really cool seeing on the big screen, just like the way this woman acts. You're just like, Oh, I I've known people like that. <laughs> yeah. It showcases like how protective she is over him. And like, in general, I like how it really places emphasis on Miles's Hispanic side, like how mm -hmm. he speaks Spanish throughout the movie. I just thought that it was kind of cool. Like just to see this other side, this culture of where he comes from. And I like that they don't necessarily show subtitles whenever they speak Spanish. Like, you right. Know, it's up to you as an individual if you want to discover what they're saying, which I do. I mean, again, I don't speak Spanish, but like, I'm glad that like the movie doesn't kind of like um, take the opportunity to then like dumb it down for me. Like, it actually is, it, it's showing it in a very natural way. And I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, speaking of Miles's mom, like, I'm thinking of like the barbecue scene, but then I'm also thinking of the scene where like Miles and Gwen meet each other for the first time in like a year and they're on the clock tower. And oh my God, like when I think of this movie and like the animation it's doing, like how they're upside down and then like the skyline is upside down and like, it's just so yeah, that's massive. That's just such a, like a magical scene. Honestly. Yeah. Like, it's so just... good. It's so good. It's, it, it doesn't quite, uh, top the um what's up danger like him f falling and r rising at the same time shot that we were just talking about but like it comes very close to being on the same level for me like just them like being upside down and like in the corner and then like the whole skyline is like this it, it looked more impressive than like you know anything in like the doctor strange movies where they're like trying to like like oh reality is bending like it, it's really it's a really good perspective shot i feel Another thing I like about, in general, with Miles and Gwen is how everything about their relationship, like, feels realistically paced. They're able to yes. still pick up back where they were left off, but the screenwriters don't feel the need to, like, rush into anything that's not there. Like, try and, like, wedge them into, like, a, like, full-on romance yet. Exactly. Even though there is, like, little implications of that. 
Right. It's subtle. Like, yeah, they still they still interact with each other like the way they usually would have in the first movie. Like, yeah, that's important. Like these characters are so well defined. You need you need to write the story around the characters. Like, well, the characters are writing the story, essentially. Like, I always hate that in movies when, like, you know, the characters have to then, like, be molded by the story like no the story should be molded by the characters because yeah like when they just exist as like action figures like around the narrative yeah exactly exactly like i would rather just the characters push the story because these characters are so well defined and they're so interesting i want to see what they do and why they do the things that they do like that's important to me um well, speaking of characters, let's talk about some of the new ones. Um, Ooh, I loved a lot of the new characters that yeah, they yeah. introduced. I liked, uh, sorry for not his name, Pavatar, uh, Par, the Indian Spider-Man. I thought he was um, a really fun addition. Oh my god, Kobe he was so Brown, funny. Spider-Punk. Spider-Punk was really cool. I like yep. how they really um, pushed Spider-Punk's animation style. Like, he's literally this just newspaper cutout character and like everything in his world is like that it's like yeah it's really cool and then yeah the spider-man in india really really cool character i, I one, one thing i noticed that i really liked was that he didn't necessarily have like um web slinging abilities he used like that chinese yo-yo thing as like his webs i don't know yeah, if you noticed that yeah, it's really yeah. I thought yeah. that was a really cool detail that they added. Yeah, it was really cool because you're just like, whoa! Like I didn't even think about that. Like that's a really neat idea. Like he just uses like this piece of essentially this piece of rope as his webs, but like he he still is able to like um, swing around on them, and it's really really cool. It's a really it's a really neat idea for this character, and really neat idea for like a Spider-Man character in general. So you're just like thinking like, oh. I'm thinking about like this world building here. It's really neat. Um, but yeah, Hobie, the fucking spider punk. <laughs> yeah, I'm like a huge Daniel Kaiula Ka- Ka- fan. Yeah, so, like, he's I really knew, good. I kind of knew that I was gonna like really like it, but like I didn't expect it to be like this much. Like he was just so like funny with how like IDGAF he was. Yeah, and just like how 100% no chill. It was just really cool. And his design, like like you were saying about like the newspaper cutout, I like just love that. I love the scene where he's just like, "You guys just think I'm a joke," and they're like, "No, we don't. No, we don't. No, we don't. I don't believe in comedy." <laughs> like, <laughs> I've been quoting that like for like the past 24 hours. I'll just be like, "I don't believe in comedy." <laughs> just, it's such a good way to to it's like lines like that like not only are really funny, but they show what a character is about. Like that is absolutely the way that character would say that line. Um, like that's how he would say that it's, it's, it's really good. And yeah, like he's, he's so funny. Just, and I do like just, yeah. How, how much he just doesn't care, but like he, he cares a little. And I like that because then you, cause then, you know, if he was always just like, I don't really care. You're just like, Oh, then why are you here? Blah, blah, blah. But then it's like, no, he, yeah, we see it. I think it's cool yeah. that like, he's the one that ends up helping miles right yeah. after it's revealed with Miguel explains to him what he has to do yeah. now that for the fate of the multiverse, he's not, the one that like kind of helps him out. And it's like in line with this character. Yeah. Not the fingertips, the palms. It's like, Oh, so that, that's why you yeah. said that it comes back full circle. That's brilliant. Yep. 
Um, speaking of Miguel, yeah, let's what talk are your about thoughts that. On him? I'm curious. Oh, so I I was really curious to see like how Oscar Isaac would do this character. Um, I will be completely honest. I and I think you brought this up in uh, the server before that like it's a it's a little underdeveloped with Miguel. I feel like he's a just a little underdeveloped. I say it's underdeveloped, like given how unhinged he is. Like you see yes. how brutal he is throughout miles in the film like with the reveal about the spider and how he has essentially saying like you have to let he's essentially saying you have to let your dad die for the spate of the multiverse and like the way that he does it like the aggression it has i just feel like he needs a bit of a more developed motivation and what i mean by that is we know that he's doing this for the fate of the multiverse because he tried to do what Miles is trying to do. He tried to break the established canon, as they call it. Mm-hmm. But my, what I what I mean by that is, like, why did he feel the need to do that? Like, what was his life like before he left to try to go to another universe that he wanted to do that so badly? And again, I feel like maybe Beyond the Spider-Verse could do that, so I think it's kind of a little bit too early to tell on that. But that was just something that came to mind when I was as I was watching the film. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because um, like Miles doesn't meet Miguel until like an hour into the movie, or even beyond that. Like, so like, yeah, when he first meets him, and then he starts like laying all this stuff on him. It's just like this is kind of a lot. I mean, obviously, yeah. it it's important, and I think it's I think it's conveyed really well. But because there's just so much going on in this movie, yeah. Miguel, you understand where he's coming from, but at the same time, you do feel like it's not quite there yet. Um, and yeah, yeah, especially that scene, like right, like when they're on the train, and or it's a rocket ship, maybe I don't know. And then he, like, he explains to him, like he's like, "You're nothing. You're literally, it's your fault that the multiverse collided. Like you're just a child. You're not supposed to be here." And I'm like, "Okay, this is a little bit unhinged." Yeah. Given what his motivation is established to be. Yeah. And I get why he's saying that because it's like. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, you understand. Yeah, but you're absolutely right. It's a little, it's a little much like establishing it when it's like, okay, this is still like the same scene that like Miles just met you in. Like, I don't know. It is a bit much. And yeah, like we were saying, like I think Beyond the Spider-Verse will develop him a little more. I mean, I hope it does um because it's still not out yet but that is definitely a hope like i feel like because like that's the one thing that's probably like my biggest thing with this movie is just that there's a lot but like because it has such a cliffhanger ending you're just like okay i don't know like it's kind of hard to judge it then because like you don't know if what it's going for is going to come through in the end um yeah, it would be kind of being like trying to judge Empire Strikes Back before Return of the Jedi came out. Because, yeah. Because, like, you don't know for sure, like, what's going to happen, like, from a story standpoint yet. Exactly. So I feel like, yeah. And, well, growing up, I watched both Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi within quick succession with each other. And so now, when I'm an adult and I love those movies to death with all my heart, it's like, yeah, because I've seen them multiple times, I... By the end, by by the time I get to the end of Empire Strikes Back, I'm just like, this is very satisfying, and I know the next movie is going to be satisfying because I've already seen it. Um, but yeah, th- this and I remember me and William brought this up, like this is like judging Dune 2021, where it's like, okay, I know I like it a lot, 
but I feel like because it ends in such an unsatisfying way in the sense that I know more is coming, it's kind of hard for me to judge the whole thing fully. Um, and so I really do need that beyond the Spider-Verse uh, to kind of put the puzzle pieces together so then I can really truly feel that um, what this movie accomplishes, it actually accomplishes. Yes. But, okay, so... Going back to the Empire Strikes Back comparison, I wrote a letterbox review and I referred to, um, I said that there was an Empire Strikes Back level reveal in the movie. And I'm talking about the reveal that Miles' spider was from an alternate dimension, essentially saying that he was the original originator of the concept of glitching or like making holes in the universe. And the reason why I made that comparison is because this new plot detail, not only is there a sense of shock value that comes to it, but it also feels like it'll completely change the trajectory of the new direction of the story. And that's why I think the ending, where he sees that alternate version of himself as a prowler, got me so interested in speculating what the future would hold for the remainder of the franchise. Because it maybe it's, I feel like it could potentially showcase where Miles' place is in all of these other universes. I think that would make for a really interesting setup. I agree. Yeah, no. But, yeah, you explaining that, yeah, that I definitely uh, wholeheartedly agree 100% with that. It is definitely Empire Strikes Back level twist. Um, or reveal, I should say. Um, that being said, I... And this, uh, this is kind of going off with like the prowler thing because like that reminds me like the prowler reveal and the whole reveal that he's in a different uh dimension i like those reveals because they're really good reveals and they're really good at um they're really good story beats i feel like you know to set up for beyond the spider-verse i was kind of annoyed with how they were re re were revealed um in that when he sees his mom for the first time in his bedroom it's incredibly obvious that like the backgrounds are a little muted a little watercolory so like you're just so like immediately when i saw that i'm like oh he's in a different dimension and then like five minutes passed by and then that then gwen and him have that realization they're just like oh we're in a different dimension i'm just like yeah i knew that guys thanks um and then and then um a couple minutes later when uncle aaron the the other uncle aaron is like uh, fiddling with like the prowler stuff he's like look i know you're the prowler and then he's like i'm not the prowler i'm like oh so this this universe is miles is the prowler and then like another couple minutes go by and then it's just like and then the other miles like takes off his mask he's just like i'm the prowler it's just like yeah i figured that out guys uh again nitpicky. i guess it was kind of meant to like let the revelation set in sink in for the characters more so rather yes. than the audience in that mm -hmm. regard yes Mo i think that's the best way i can probably make a defense for that because like that wasn't something that i particularly caught on mm -hmm. my viewing but because that's how you put i guess that's kind of like the best way i can say that i could probably defend that yeah no i this is absolutely just me being someone who's watched movies before and is like and can like figure these things out pretty quickly and so then i'm just like i'm just ahead of the game a little bit but like no i absolutely understand why they did it that way like yeah it's for it's to like really let it settle in. And again, like I know why 
they do that because then you know it's a scene where miles is like the reason it doesn't automatically go with miles realizing he's in a different dimension when he's talking to his mom it's because he's too distracted by telling his mom all these things that he wanted to tell his mom so like i get it i'm just it's just a really weird way of conveying that but i understand completely that like you know that's just how the movie is and that's fine um there's still really good reveals i will say definitely do you have any theories, thoughts, expectations for Beyond the Spider-Verse that you wanted to bring up? Um, oh god. Uh not really. Um I know uh I'm looking forward to seeing more of Miles as the Prowler. I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with uh Miguel. I'm looking forward to see how they push the envelope more with not only the animation, but like the kind of styles they want to implement. Um I was looking forward because I remember uh, a while back they made like a an announcement tweet. Or maybe it was like discussing film or I don't know, one of those million billion stupid Twitter accounts that are just like, oh, Across the Spider-Verse will feature live action segments. It's just like, oh, like that got me like twiddling my fingers like, oh, how are they going to do that? And then obviously it was the Mrs. Chen's convenience store. uh Donald Glover as the Prowler, which was a neat cameo, and um, that scene from Amazing Spider-Man with um, uh, Andrew Garfield and Captain Stacy. So, like, I'm also kind of looking forward to, like, what are they going to do next for the next movie with, like, how they implement more angles of the Spider-Verse. But I, I can't really think of anything that concrete, I would say, you know? Like, I'm kind of left... more in the dark here i'm just like oh what are they gonna do next and i like that i like that i'm in the dark you know yeah i get it yeah you like want to be surprised by what happens next exactly exactly i mean that's i mean i wanted to be surprised with this movie like i didn't want anything spoiled like so i just barely watched any of the trailers and the tv spots and i went in as blind as possible and i'm glad i did because yeah i went in and i'm just like i am so impressed with what this is doing because I'm watching it for the first time. Um, and so, yeah, I definitely want that with beyond. Uh, I, I guess that's my expectations. Uh, don't show me anything and I'll watch it. <laughs> right. Yeah. I will definitely be there in the theater when beyond comes out. I'm really excited to see what they do next. Yeah, no, I'm so looking forward to it. I mean, I would have seen it regardless. And I'm glad that I'm really glad that it ends with um, Gwen's like team that she's taking to Lippersiders. I'm glad it has the characters from the first movie and the second movie because I was really worried if we were ever going to see Spider Noir or Spider Ham. I'm like, okay, yay, we get to see, we're going to get to see them in the next movie. So I was really happy that it ended like that. Yeah, I hope John Mulaney, Nick Cage, and uh, Penny Parker come back. I forget the actress who does her her voice. Um, uh, Kamiko Glenn. That's Kamiko Glenn. Yes, thank you. Um, yeah, I hope they come back because I honestly, if Nicolas Cage doesn't come back, my heart will be insanely broken because only he could play Spider-Man Noir and John Mulaney could only be Spider-Ham. Like, I know we're not going to get any more Jack Horner, which is unfortunate, but I would love to see more Spider-Ham. Uh, so that is definitely, uh, something to look forward to for sure. Hopefully. (laughs) Um, yeah. Did you have any other notes you wanted to mention about Across the Spider-Verse? I think that was pretty much it for me. I will say, though, I do think 
some of the references aren't going to age quite as well as they did with the first movie. And it doesn't feel like it's going to be quite as timeless in that regard. But other than that and my issues with Miguel, this was like everything I could have asked for out of a sequel to this movie. Yeah. I agree. I think some of the references, like I was just listening to live action stuff. It's like, yeah, it's kind of neat that these scenes happen, but you're not just like, you're not really thinking about them as much as you are like the actual scenes the movie put effort into. Like, obviously these are just neat little cameos. Um, I do like the, that's the thing. Like, I, I do when, like the, when I when I got yeah, to the go Donald ahead. Glover cameo specifically, like I was rolling my eyes, but like I was also kind of laughing with it because I'm like, okay, this is a little bit much, but like it's still kind of funny if you know what I mean. It's like yeah. kind of a bit of both for me. Yeah, I think I think that happens a lot in these modern Spider-Man movies. Like I definitely felt the same way. Like you were saying, like you were rolling your eyes, but you're still laughing. I felt that way in um, No Way Home when Willem Dafoe goes, you know, I'm something of a scientist myself. You're just like, oh, yeah. ah. <laughs> but like, it's funny. You know, the theater was laughing when he said that. So I was like, eh, fine, I'll, I'll, I won't be that big of an asshole. I'll laugh. Um, but yeah, no, I yeah. definitely agree. There's some... I mean, and obviously because I'm not like a, I'm not a diehard Spider-Man fan. I think because of movie, I think because of the Spider-Verse movies, I'm becoming more of a diehard Spider-Man fan, but like, I'm not there yet where like, I know every single reference it makes. Like, I I don't know what the deal is, was with, uh, what was it? Like Scarlet Spider or something like that. Like the, the like edgy spider-man that's played by andy yeah, samberg like to be a parody of that aspect of his character in the comments like he was the comics like he was always like kind of like the dark and brooding type i saw a couple of people on twitter like that were mad at him that they didn't like that like, i just thought it was kind of funny that they were like yeah trying to be a parody of that aspect of that character well that's the thing it's like i know like when i was watching and i'm like okay i know this is parodying something through the way he's like talking but like i don't entirely get the uh um reference is is what i'm trying to say it's just like oh that's kind of weird but i know i know there's a reference there um for sure and i did think it was funny i thought i thought it was really funny the 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 web slinger the fucking cowboy um spider-man he's just like yeah. why does the horse need a mask <laughs> oh yep i'll i'll admit it peter parked car got me real good <laughs> mm-hmm. oh so funny um, but yeah, I think because this movie, because it, like we were saying, it's like an, it's an evolution of the animation and the world building. I feel like, yeah, this movie was definitely like, all right, we got to include like as many Spider-Man uh, jokes and references as possible. So they just went nutso with that. And like, I'm I'm glad it doesn't distract, you know, because like it could have easily distracted from the entire movie. Um but I think it does so in a good. I think I think it does so in the way it can. Yeah, most of it isn't just like fan service for the sake of it. Right. Some of it is actually like it actually. Some fe- of it is. Yeah. Some of it is that, but like yes. Some of it isn't. Some of it is. Yeah. Exactly. It it's a good balance. Um, I feel like it's a good balance. I feel like it was the kind of balance I liked in No Way Home, but like bumped up a little because this isn't a typical MCU thing. Like it's actually. You know, it actually has room to breathe and actually has a story to tell that's not, again, MCU tier. But I, I, yeah, you know, it's able to be its own thing. It's not like confined yes. by like the previous lore, the previous movies in yes. the ongoing saga. Yeah, yeah. You explained it better than I did. Thank you. <laughs> um, I'm 
yeah, I'm just trying to think. There's just, there's so much, dude. There's so much. I almost kind of am pissed I decided to do this movie, do these movies now instead of waiting for Beyond the Spider-Verse. But like, I don't know. Like, I was just so excited to talk about the, talk about the first movie. And now I'm really excited to talk about this movie that, who knows, maybe when Beyond comes, I'll, I'll redo these movies again. <laughs> um yeah just because i there's just so much to talk about but like i it you know that that's a good thing i'm i'd rather there be so much to talk about than nothing to talk about you know yeah yeah so So will you be buying a blu-ray of this one when it comes out on digital oh undoubtedly i i was thinking about that it's just like oh like what if this movie's not as good what if it doesn't um what if, what if it doesn't live up to the hype? And then I'm like halfway through the movie and I'm just like, oh, oh, what took you so long, idiot? Like, yeah, of course it's really fucking good. Like, yeah, uh, I, of course. Yeah. So absolutely. So yeah, it's not something I own on Blu-ray now, but eventually, absolutely. Like this is far too special not to be in the collection at some point for sure. All right. Yeah. What about you? Uh, yeah, I think I'll probably get it on DVD when it comes out. Hmm, that's good. That's good. Well, here's the other thing. Like, would you ever watch this movie again? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's kind of par for the course if you want to get it on DVD. But, like, I feel like that is also another thing. It's like, you know, not only do you want to own it, like, the other important thing is, would we ever watch it again? And I feel like that's important. Like, I think a a movie's rewatchability is super, super important. Like... Again. Absolutely. Like, this is already becoming one of my favorite film franchises of all time, and I'm always Same. looking forward, like, eager to, like, be seeking it out again. Yeah, no, I'm actually interested in seeing what happens next, unlike other superhero movies where, like, I'm just kind of yeah, there. Yeah, like, I haven't had an anticipation level for, like, a movie that's been coming out, like, in a really long time. I think, like, the last time I was, like, this excited, like, this, like, speculative was, like, when I first saw Infinity War back in 2018. Yeah, I think... Uh, you know, because like at the beginning of the year, I said like there were three movies I was looking forward to this year. Two, unironically. One, massively ironically. Um, and Is it Barbie? No, actually. Is Barbie the ironic one? <laughs> no. Well, Barbie I'm looking forward to, but like not on the same level as these three. Um, no, it was <laughs> okay. Spider-Verse 2 was one I was definitely looking forward to unironically. And now that I've watched it, it's like, yeah, this lived up to exactly what I wanted it to be and more so in some ways. Um, I'm also looking forward to the second Dune movie because I love the first one and I feel like those are movies that like really just grab me and engage me, um, just super, super well. I need to make an episode on those. And then the third one was the ironic one, uh, the flash, (laughs) um, because I just can't wait to see the gigantic shit show it's going to be so much. Mm -hmm. Cause like, Oh God, it looks so terrible and i know it's go i know it's going to try to do things that this movie does but like worse in every way possible because it's dc they're desperate and add on the fact that like ezra miller's in it it's just like this is uh, this yeah. is this is a recipe for <laughs> well, disaster yeah, I, am, I can't I wait i'm not going to see it so i will just take your word for it whatever you say i will just believe you oh good. i do not want to watch that at all yeah no i'll <sighs> get get ready for the too many movies episode on it i'm so looking forward to seeing that all right show. i will be there <laughs> okay that's good that's that's all i could ever ask for <laughs> all right but yeah no i 
yes, Spider Verse Two, very good movie. Uh, go Absolutely. watch it. Go watch it if you haven't. Um, All right. Yeah, no, I th- I think that about does it. Yin said, uh, long episode, but that that's good. Um, but uh, yeah, why don't you shout out your stuff? Where can people find you? So I am on both YouTube and Letterboxd uh, with the name Y-I-N-S-E-D. That's how you spell my name. You can also find me on Twitter at the Disney Senior. I quote, I tweet my thoughts about movies and I also tweet a lot of memes about the bad guys 2022. So if you're into that sort of thing, follow me over there. Mm-hmm. Great. Awesome. Yeah. All your links will be in the description below. Um well, thank you, dude. Thanks for coming on. I'm so glad we were able to talk about these movies. Um, yeah, no problem. It was nice talking to you, too. Yeah, no, this was great. Uh, love to have you back someday. Uh, maybe right. maybe with John. John was supposed to come on, but he, he couldn't make it this episode. But you know what? As long as I showed him the first Spider-Verse, I consider that a success, honestly. He liked so. it, right? Oh, he loved it. He loved it. He was so right, excited. Yeah, of course. Of course. Um, but yeah, thanks for coming on. And thank you, the audience, for listening. Uh, if you want to support the show, give a like, give a comment. Listen to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and or, or just YouTube. That's fine, too. Who cares? It's, it's whatever. Um, so yeah, thanks for watching. And always remember, that's all, folks. Wait a minute, can you say that legally? (laughs) (laughs) 